the Rhythm of Life podcast, where conversation flows as life is explored. Today on the show, we hear from the filmmaking team, Steve Ordauer and David Kovacs, as they discuss making their recent documentary about interfaith marriage called Leaps of Faiths. The film recently aired on Chicago's public television affiliate, WTTW, rating extremely high in viewership and continuing to spark conversation. The accomplished documentary filmmaker, Bob Hercules, sat down with the two to discuss the filmmaking process as they crafted this story to ultimately document a difficult yet inspirational journey as people come together in marriage, demonstrating an extraordinary level of acceptance. David, maybe you could tell us very briefly what the film, give us a little sketch of what the film is about. Sure. Uh, It's a documentary about interfaith marriage, about Mm. uh, uh, people who come together of different faiths, and in our case, uh, Jewish and Catholic, but uh, it could be any kind of interfaith, intercultural relationship and some of the decisions and choices and outcomes that they make as they get married and raise families and have kids. Great. And Steve, how did you guys uh, come up with this idea? What was the spark that started this project? Well, um, both of our kids um, were in uh, an interfaith school called the Family School here in Chicago, and David actually was one of the founders. And when we would um, independently sit in the adult ed classes, you know, what was most revealing to me is the honesty that people were, you know, grappling with this interfaith structure in their household and in their marriage, which was really incredibly refreshing and honest. And the more I, you know, took this in, the more I thought, wow, this would be a really incredible story to tell. And then when David and I met each other um, in the family school, we realized we were having similar thoughts about this. And once we started talking, we started to formulate an idea of making a film. Were you surprised, David, that there were so many uh, interfaith uh, marriages and that they were succeeding? Because I watch something like this and think, uh, that's a tough, that's, there's a lot of challenge there between two faiths and trying to make a marriage work and your family and the kids and culture what was going through your mind well more and more bob uh you know uh if you go back uh, i'm married uh, 32 years uh you go back then uh things were different people kind of tended more to stay in their own groups certainly our parents generation did mm-hmm. then people go to college people move different cities and have have these jobs and and meet other people and the world becomes so fluid that inevitably uh, people fall in love mm-hmm. and uh, look what happens. They have kids and then they then uh, when they fall in love they and think about getting married, uh, you know, religion kind of enters into the picture. It may not be their first or second thought, but it's probably their third or fourth. Mm-hmm. And uh, when they realize that, uh, hey, there's all these choices and there's these ways of doing it. You could, you could have a family where one partner converts or one partner doesn't converts. Uh, convert and and you could have we're going to raise our kids in one faith or maybe uh, no faith or maybe try both faiths Hmm. and the combinations are just fascinating what do you think uh, steve are the biggest challenge that families face when they decide to get married if they're from different completely different faiths what are they up against 
Oh, everything. I mean, everybody is basically telling them not to do it. I mean, I got the, uh, you know, I got the inquisition from my mother um, uh, about it as well. I mean, oh, she's not Jewish. Oh, how are you going to raise the kids? How are you going to do this? How are you going to do that? And I remember there was this really, really interesting moment when I was standing in her office and talking to her, and she was just rattling off all these questions. And I finally just looked at her dead in the eye and said, I don't know. But I do know that I love this woman, and this is my sense of place and home, and we're going to create a possibility. And I had no idea about the family school. I had no idea how this was going to turn out. And that is a very um, common uh, theme for interfaith couples that they really didn't know. And it's in the film. The people who founded the, um, the interfaith school along with David at the 20th year anniversary, one of the speakers who founded the school said that we had no idea. And that in and of itself is one of the most genuine expressions of love that I've seen. Because, you know, in the face of obstacles, and you really not knowing, but you do know that you want to be with this person, and you'll work it out. That's really uh, remarkable to me. So yes, you're up against all types of societal boundaries to get married in an interfaith structure, for sure. Yeah, if I could just tag on. I mean, we want anybody who's in an interfaith uh, situation or a relationship or a marriage to look at this film and feel good about their choices being honored. So we have people who are raising their kids in one faith or another. But we really thought it was fascinating, this notion that... that yeah, 25 years ago when the family school was founded, that this was a group of couples who said, maybe we can teach our kids Judaism and Catholicism. Mm. And it was just like, how do you do that? But we had really supportive clergy. We had a, a wonderful host in Old St. Pat's Church who said, you guys, you can have the space. You can do what you want. You can run the school. We're not going to tell you what to do. Uh, and for years then, it just, you know, my wife uh, developed the curriculum, and it's a K through eight curriculum where there's always a Jewish and a Catholic parent teaching these mm-hmm. lessons. Uh, to so the kids grow up learning to see life through two different lenses, and and what was fascinating to us is, okay, how do they turn out? Do they think of themselves as Jewish when they're done? Do they think of themselves mm-hmm. as Catholic? Do they think of themselves as interfaith? And so now that the school's been there 25 years, we were able to go back and take some of the kids from these first years who are now 20, 21, 23 years old and and say, okay, let's let's rip this apart. Let's see what this was like for you. And it's not all positive and it's not all negative. It's just fascinating and it's different for every kid. But you know, uh, Dave, just to piggyback on that, what's really interesting about it is that a common theme with the kids is that they have a pretty strong sense of self, which is um, a wonderful thing to have in children, period. And, you know, like some of the other obstacles is everybody telling you they're going to be really confused. It's like, no, actually, these children are probably some of the less confused kids that I've come across. And it was really um, obvious when before uh, my wife and I chose to be a part of the family school and we saw the eighth grade panel when they, the, the children were graduating and just listened to them speak. And, and what they said spoke for itself in terms of how grounded they were, how insightful they were. And I thought, I'm not really all of, you know, all that wrapped up in organized religion to begin with, but I do know I want my kids to have some of that. 
Yeah, and, and those are some of the best scenes, I think, in the movie is those discussions the kids have, the older, certainly older kids have, reflecting back about their experiences. It's, like you said, so deeply honest. You can't have two religions in the home without some measure of doubt, especially on the part of your parents, because neither of our parents converted to the other's religion. So somebody's starts out with doubt. You know, there's no faith without doubt, and there's no courage without fear. So I think that that speaks to the need for parents to talk about this stuff with their kids, even if it's scary, even if they don't know, you know, what to say. I feel like it's making courageous choices with faith, but being open-minded. To explore how we can coexist and learn from each other and shed light on each other. It, it promotes a, a more holistic understanding of the world. The core of both of those religions is just to love other people and accept other people because I think that that's something that is hard to remember. It's kind of a revelation for people to watch it and think, wow, they are really, uh, in a way, they're very open-minded. They're, mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if you're forcing, but you're putting them in a position of having to be to open their mind a little more mm -hmm. than normal mm -hmm. and i was thinking extrapolating it to the larger world we live in if this model could be bigger and you know not and multi-faith and you know inter-religious uh who knows what effect it could have when you think about the the constant issue of the other so to speak totally and the problems that that causes in our not just our society all societies all over the world and I think that's the biggest reason we made the film, mm. because when uh, this is a growing movement, there's uh, schools like this in Washington, D.C. and New York. There's our sister school in Mount Prospect uh, that works very closely with us, the Union School. And I, what I would say is that, you know, we've been in the Jewish film, the Chicago Jewish Film Festival. We're going to enter other Jewish film festivals and film festivals across the country. And have these post discussions because the film's less than an hour so we have time for a discussion people nobody leaves people mm. want to talk about this yeah. and we thought that these audiences in the Jewish film festival we'd be going I, this interfaith marriage it's really uh, you know dangerous for the Jews and we thought we'd get pushback we got curiosity we got how do you do this tell us more and so we think we're tapping into something yeah and we i mean this came up very early on in the filmmaking process i mean we you know, notice this immediately. I, I believe I said, you know, look, this is this is an excellent structure for people to learn the idea of acceptance. I mean, across any boundaries. And David and I were very much on the same page on this right away. And it was very motivating because I'm all about crossing boundaries. I think that's really wonderful, especially to go against conventional wisdom that exists for no real apparent logical reason. It just does. And... Um, you know, I've often said in the edit sessions when, you know, it's really easy to look at another walk, another group um, in society, whether that be socioeconomically or racially, and put them at arm's length. Um, it's a little harder to do when you know one or two people from that group. But when you marry somebody, it's impossible if your marriage has any chance of lasting. And so you are confronted with who you are how you identify and how you look at the world. And it's actually a real positive structure, not only for the parents, but also for the children. Uh, those are great points. Um, 
What did you want to accomplish with this film? What was the goal or goals? To, to... Well, I think we're, we're storytellers as you know, any filmmaker is, and so we wanted to tell great stories. We, we wanted to, you know, all the traditional elements of, you know, the, uh, you take the, uh, the call that the hero hears and here's, you know, you fall in love, that's your call. And then what are the obstacles? And there's plenty of obstacles Steve was talking about. And then how do you uh, find it in yourself to come above those obstacles? And uh, so uh, great stories, and we just want to help people. There's so many people out there who wonder about this and and look for guidance and talk to clergy and, and seek out resources. Mm. We just want to expose as many people to this discussion, and that's why we called it Leaps of Faiths, because we truly believe in the, the dichotomy of both faiths. And there's, there's just something when you watch the film of, here's a priest, here's a rabbi, they don't have to be so different, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, they 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 don't. They can cross each other's boundaries, and and uh, it's refreshing. And we just we we want people to see that and feel that they're not alone. Well, you know, also most of the people in the family school were in this predicament where they were looking for resources, such as my wife and I, and we didn't know what to do. And we found the family school. We had like washed up on shore and found an oasis in the middle of the desert. We're like, oh my god, thank goodness. This exists, and that's really, really beautiful. And you know, just to f- to further that, what's really remarkable is the collateral goodness that has happened from the film. Because you know, a lot of people have issues with um, religious structures, and that you know, there's a self righteous um, tone to a lot of religious paradigms in which my way is the right way, and everything else isn't as good. And that self righteousness is not present with the clergy that are involved in this movement and in this film. We see priests and rabbis not only expressing that, you know, there's other ways um, to the divine and spirituality, but also they've become friends. And it's really wonderful to see. And, um, you know, I don't always show that when I'm in the midst of an interview or and we're filming and, you know, we're concentrating and all that, but I'm regularly moved by that. And I've also noticed that my own um, predispositions towards members of the clergy, particularly priests, you know, have um, altered. And I've become friends with a couple of priests now, and it's really wonderful to get to know them and see how they appreciate what we're doing. And it's, it's just a wonderful, humane experience. Um, another really compelling part of the film to me is the ongoing, I think you come back to these guys a few times, it's the, the priest and the rabbi that are sitting together and they talk so, uh, it's almost kind of an emotional thing where they talk about their deep friendship and how unlikely it would have been when it first started. But they, and they just you can see it with the body language of their eyes and everything, that they are really, really, really close. And it's amazing that they're, willing to rise above the maybe the dogma of each of their religions to to, to seek something greater by mm-hmm. the unity of it all and it's very impressive to me that that was father john cusick and rabbi alan setcher and when we taped that interview we looked at each other and we said okay we've got a movie here so maybe we should listen to a little bit of that we're um, i was scheduled to do a wedding at the marriott on michigan avenue and the rabbi punted and we needed a fill-in rabbi so they called Central Casting, and <laughs> this guy named Alan Setcher showed up. And every once in a while in our lives, we wind up with people who you thought you knew all your life. And I said, 
this guy could be the brother I never had. I just felt that whatever it is you feel. And that began our personal journey as two religious professionals, but it began a friendship. If somebody would have told me that one of my closest friends would be a priest, my answer would have been, are you out of your mind? What would happen if we looked at life where no one had to be the enemy? Somebody doesn't have to be right, therefore somebody has to be wrong. If we've done anything and if I've learned anything, Alan, from you, it's not right versus wrong. It's what do you see? How do you live? Let me tell you what I see and let me tell you how I live. It was the relationship here that said to me, you can play a role in lives that has meaning and you can have a full broader life as a result of your relationship with a Catholic. And what's really wonderful about that, Bob, is that uh, John Cusick, the Father Cusick says, uh, yeah, he's like the brother I um, never had. And you just feel that certain something uh, and you just know. And it's really quite moving to see a rabbi and a priest who both, along with the other clergy involved in interfaith um, uh, dynamics, uh, to befriend each other in such an intimate and close way, given the risk that they took to be involved in this. They, it's not like it was easy for them at all. And I, I kind of forget that yeah. while we were filming, um, was that you know this is a huge risk for them. I mean, they have a vested interest in maintaining their own religious structure and paradigm moving forward and to keep it sustainable. And, you know, all of the clergy involved were taking risks, particularly the rabbis, because, you know, Jews are concerned about their numbers, particularly after World War II. And, you know, we address that point blank in the film with uh, Rabbi Evan Moffick. And, you know, the thing about this story is that none of the people involved shy away from the touchy subjects. And that's why we were so enthralled with making this film. And it does seem like it's coming out at a time where things, some of the borders and some of the boundaries have broken down, as you talked about earlier, David, is that, you know, 25 years ago, I think things were much more stratified. And and one, I would say, positive development, perhaps, of our society is that a lot of those boundaries have been broken down. We're a much more diverse society um, and I mean, we struggle with it, obviously, especially in these days, but we are a more diverse society. And it seems like there's got to be some, the film kind of ties into that idea that this is a time where this could happen. And maybe 25 years ago, it was much more difficult and people would, would have raised a lot of red flags about it. But now, you know, it didn't, I don't think it would strike people as being that outside the realm of, of possibility. So true. Uh, one of the comments from one of the rabbis in the film is, these, are these marriages really interfaith or are they intercultural? You know, mm-hmm. is, is religion mm-hmm. so important to these couples? Well, it could be. But what is important is that these are two cultures coming together that's right. that have uh, preconceived notions about each other. And that's why this is about black, white. Uh, uh, Hispanic, Anglo, uh, uh, Asian, European. I mean, there's so many people getting married uh, in with different cultures bringing to the table. They have many of the same questions that the couples in this film do. Yeah, yeah, that's ve- that's really, really true. And I remember when uh, Father Hurley said, you know, he 
he noticed that this is a structure for people to really practice genuine acceptance. And he's going to pray that, you know, this continues and spreads globally. The reality of people of different faiths coming together, you know, can this have a ripple effect, you know, in the world? Boy, I sure hope so. And I'm going to pray that it does. That's the great blessing, is that if they feel at home, you know, they feel at home in a church and they feel at home, you know, when the Jewish high holidays come around or in, you know, uh, in Jewish congregations, communities, <laughs> that's a win-win situation. Is it going to be perfect? No. Will it be messy? You got it. But at least we're committed to it. Instead of putting people in certain boxes and categories, well, you're a Jew and I'm a Catholic, and so therefore we shouldn't be together. I applaud people who have said, no, we're going to figure out a way. And wouldn't that be a wonderful, wonderful gift for the rest of the world to see? I mean, it wasn't very um, long into the filmmaking process when I was just like, yeah, Dave, this is really amazing. This is a model for people to see. Uh, and, and acceptance is much harder than we realize sometimes, particularly with religious structures is one of the hardest um, barriers to cross in our society and to see people doing it again and again. And, and the, the thing that's really was missing before without these schools is that there wasn't a community of support. And now that there's a community, I mean, there's over, what, 100 families in the family school in Chicago. There's more families in New York and, and in D.C. respectively. But the community is critical. Do the, is there any pushback to this from the children, some of the kids that are coming up? Because their parents may have made a decision, but the kids are their own independent beings. And I just wonder if there's ever a, a time where the some of the children don't feel comfortable with this or they want to go in one direction or, you know, how, how do the kids uh, deal with this issue? I think kids are like little radar screens. If they sense that mom and dad are not on the same page and fighting, they're going to hate religion, if, if that's what mom and dad are fighting about. Mm. Uh, if, if they see that this is a place where mom and dad can come together, and we do this as a family, and we go out to lunch afterwards, and I see my friends, that's really what matters to them. Mm -hmm. they'll, they'll, you know, we hear it every year with the eighth graders, oh, I hate getting up on Sunday morning. to come. Well, we all did for Sunday school. I mean, that, when we went to a single-faith Sunday school, mm -hmm. if we did, you know, we didn't hate it necessarily, but surely getting up on Sunday was not fun. But they did it, and they hung in there. I think what happens is, uh, you know, when they get into seventh and eighth grade, they get into travel sports teams, and the weekends are hard, and, you know, they can't really stay with it. So they make their choices. And a lot of kids, have that's been the choice they've had to make. But the ones who stayed with it have seen it for a reason. I'm Bob Hercules, your host, and we're talking today about a new documentary called Leaps of Faiths a documentary produced by David Kovacs and Steve Ordauer, and they are also the co-directors of the film. So David, uh, tell us uh, one, of the, uh, one of the most significant parts of the film uh, you just described. I mean, can you set that up for us? Yeah, there's a, a, a young woman named Anna who uh, we hear her in eighth grade talking about growing up in her faith, and then uh, she takes a trip to Israel uh, in which uh, the tour guide really... Uh, kind of gets in her face about what her faith is, and uh, it, it's pretty powerful. Let's give it a listen. 
I took a trip to Israel with my parents and my grandparents. My grandma was a spy during World War II, Jewish spy, so she's a survivor. We were at dinner one night with our tour guide, and eventually he like, turns to me and starts asking me questions about what's like what I believe. He's like, well, you're not full Jewish, you're half Jewish. And eventually he looks at me and goes, oh, well, you know you're Hitler's success, right? Like, you're not a Jew. Um, and that will stick with me for the rest of my life. My whole family came to defend me, so that's great. But I was still very upset. Like, you can't tell me that my, first of all, my family history and what they've been through fighting against Hitler. And second of all, I'm a full Jew and a full Catholic. The, the children aren't pushed in one direction or another. Some, um, some uh, kids come out of this and they're, uh, you know, identify as Jewish, some as Catholic, and a lot of them as both, and some as uh, atheist. And so what's really interesting is it actually smacks in the face of my view in terms of organized religion, in terms of the, you know, the inherent indoctrination, which I have an issue with, um, to be quite honest. And I don't feel like my children are being indoctrinated. I feel like they are um, involved in a structure that promotes critical thinking and also intertwined with a genuine sense of spirituality, not going about it just to like, you know, check off a box and say, I did the right thing here. They actually, you know, we have service projects that are genuinely helpful, say, for the homeless or what have you. And I'm all for that. And and this structure allows them to um, explore that and experience that in a, in a real way, not in a way that's kind of force fed and just say, oh, because this is just the thing to do. There's thought and it also allows, it promotes, um, you know, thoughtful conversation and explanation from the parents to the kids, not just this rote uh, list like, okay, now we're going to do this, now we're going to do this. There's more of, well, why are we doing this? Mm. Yes, critical thinking. Yes. I notice in the film um, that there is no real opponents of this uh, idea. Mm. And I mm. just wondered what your thinking was in terms of your strategy mm. in constructing the film, that there's no... There's no opponents to the concept of this. Well, that's uh, uh, funny you ask because I was the one that kept screaming to Dave, "We got to get somebody, you know, we got to get somebody on on camera." This, that, and the other. And then, as we move forward, we thought, "Well, what are the real points that we need to make in terms of the opposition here?" And really, it's the theological um, differences and clashes or what have you, which we address point blank. And that, you know, generally people, you know, the children will be confused and the numbers issues that Jewish people are concerned with. So we hit all those points, but what we really realized, and that's why we actually reworked the opening based on Newton Minow, the great FCC, former FCC chairman, um, who gave us some feedback. Just let people know that you're documenting this experience. You're not documenting the whole controversy around it. And we do that. So we bring up the points as needed, but... We're really just focused on documenting this experience, and we're not trying to say it's good or bad. We're just we try to be as true to the to the subject matter as possible. And so we we had Evan Moffick talk about the ideological differences, and we brought up those other points very specifically, and we were adamant about it. Um, but you know, it's not to say that it's not warranted to get an opposing view, but we were not real we didn't really feel it necessary and we actually ran it by a rabbi who doesn't do or hadn't done interfaith marriages 
for most of his career. And I said, what do you think? Do you think we need to interject an opposing view? He said, actually, no, because, you know, per what I just said, you really, you know, we were really documenting just this experience and all of the, you know, questions around that. So, right. I mean, you got into, you get into the, uh, in a sense, the opposition by addressing it by a a number of the people, such as, uh, is one thing I remember is is this religion going to get del- so called diluted mm-hmm. by uh, by combining you know Jewish and Catholic in this case mm-hmm. or something like that and I know that's addressed in the film mm-hmm. so I, I I sense that your strategy was that it's an it's an internal opposition people bring up the known uh, opponents or the f- philosophy against it or whatever. And so that I thought was very effective. Yeah, it's embedded in our experience. Yeah. So it ca- yeah. it came out, you know, right. for sure. Yeah, there's there's a moment when Alan Setcher, the rabbi, says they came to me when they were starting the school, and I said, "You can't do it. You can't teach kids two faith." I mean, so then you get the idea that people start with a certain opinion and then they change over time when right. they see it. I think what our hope is that this film, especially when it gets out there, opens up the dialogue, and we'd love to do podcasts like this where we get people who have different opinions and really draw them out on that yeah and i and i was really you know adamant in the beginning i just said you know we got to ask them the the tough questions and you know so sometimes david and i would tag team on the interviews mm-hmm. and i would be you know the the guy who came in after the the, the easier question the bad say, so yeah so <laughs> uh what are we doing we're starting a new religion here is that what we're doing and you know that the answers that i got across the board were um Nothing short of inspiring. The biggest concern, I suppose, in long term is this question of uh, fancy word, I guess, syncretism, you know, that, uh, that somehow we're creating some sort of a mishmash of Jewish Christianity that's some hybrid new thing that isn't one and isn't the other. And, and that's troubling for some people, I think. I don't think that's really what's happening. My experience is that we maintain the integrity of each of the traditions independently, but we create a shared container in which they're held. There's no, you know, diluting of the religions at all, as far as I can see. Right, right, and that's addressed. Um, One of the sequences I found most fascinating in the film is when you have some of the kids, you have some footage of them when they're a little bit younger, and then you have some modern-day contemporary footage of them today, and they're reflecting back on their experience in the program. And we also hear a little bit about where they were at when they were eighth graders and now in the present. And uh, let's just uh, play a clip from this uh, sequence. When children grew up in interfaith homes and they were raised to feel a sense of being both, and now they're young adults, it's so interesting to talk to them about who they are now. We're all alums of family school, and we're here with the eighth grade uh, class. What do you remember about it? It's been hilarious to to look back at um, at you know all these quotes of, of things I said in, in eighth grade. We can see that multiple religions can coexist very well. I was totally eating it up. One time we had to draw a picture of God which I think was a really, really cool activity. And I think that that really helped our perception of our interfaith identity. Charlie drew uh, God with a socks hat and I drew him with a Cubs hat. In so many ways I've changed and made 180s. I don't think of God as someone who judges you in any way or um, who makes laws that are set in stone. Which I think, to be honest, I really couldn't disagree more with now. 
to me the notion that there is a real moral law and that God stands at the end of that moral law is a really important notion. I've really accepted everything, uh, every religion. Then in other ways, I feel like, uh, you know, there's, there's not a minute of daylight between who I was then and who I am now. One of my best friends from school is Muslim. Uh, I hang out with a lot of Hindu kids. So in general, I think that it's a great experience. Yeah, so any given religious group no matter how culturally different from us, is sort of deserving of our um, of our utmost tolerance. Kids are great at being honest, and uh, you know, we there's this moment when Will says, "You know, I I, uh, I I think that really believing is harder for me." than it is for my Catholic friends or my Jewish friends who have this more of a certainty because of what they've grown up with. And then he said, uh, you know, maybe that's a good thing, but I don't know. So he's still figuring it out. And I think that's beautiful. I mean, so many kids, when they hit bar mitzvah age, when they get confirmed and they're done with Sunday school, they're done with religion. You know, they're ready to go out in the world. They're ready to, uh, you know, encounter whatever it has to, to do. And, you know, the idea of in college, you know, going to a Hillel or a, a Newman Center, or, you know, uh, maybe they'll check in something familiar, but they're exploring their own world. And maybe they're, re- if they're, they're musicians, maybe their religion is their, their community is their fellow musicians mm-hmm. or, it, you know, filmmaking and any endeavor that, that brings you together with other people, that's your community. It's what I, I've always thought about religion is, is, is kind of what gets you up in the morning, it gets you excited about the day ahead. And I think as young people, that's their passion and they find that out. I think when they fall in love, they start thinking about a family, then maybe they come back a little bit. But I think that's a fascinating journey that they're all on. Do you ever feel like uh, children can get confused? Is there cases where kids coming up in this uh, dual uh, marriage uh, get confused? What is my identity? What is my you know, where do I stand? Uh, does that come up? You know, I think Will said as a kid in the film, he, he says, uh, you know, I think you become less confused. Um, because, you know, when you're, at least my religious experience growing up was very perfunctory. I mean, I just, I was, you know, not really in touch with it. I didn't feel any intimate connection with it um, at all. Did you get bar mitzvah? Uh, yes, I yeah. did. Yes, okay. I did. And so... Um, it's really refreshing to, um, you know, hear these children talk because they have this heightened sense of awareness. So what, you know, conventional wisdom says, oh, these children will be confused. And I say, "Mm, no, that's not what our, that's not what the evidence shows. The evidence shows that these kids are probably more aware than the average kid by a long shot, particularly in one religious structure. Not that that's bad at all. It's just, I'll take this any day. And what's interesting is now that we've got these kids who are in their 20s who grew up with this, they're getting married. And they're right. finding people of other religions. So, right. you know, they're bringing their interfaith thing to marry a Catholic or marry a Jew or marry a Hindu or marry a Muslim. Right. And when they do that, they say, oh, I'd really like for my kids to go to family school because, you know, we can practice the religion that we, you know, that we share but I'd like to have them see the other side in a in a kind of a safe space. So mm-hmm. uh, you know, it it to me it's fascinating the fluidity. You know, when you're given a faith when you're born, you that's a different set of religious experiences than what our kids have. Mm-hmm. 
they kind of are given two faiths, right. and they grow into those faiths, and that becomes their journey. Yeah. Is there examples of this with other religions, such as somebody brought up in the Muslim faith, or, uh, you know, I mean, how are there similar examples like that? Because that I would think would be, you know, Muslim marries a Catholic, let's say, which I'm sure happens. And then they decide at some point, well, we want to raise our kids similar to you guys in with both faiths. Does this happen as well? We that's our next movie. <laughs> yeah, okay. okay. I mean yeah. because we yeah. would love Part to two. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That 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 particular thing is so fascinating yeah. because you know there, there's there's uh, strong commonalities as well as differences in Judaism and Christianity. Uh, the ones between Muslim or Islam and and Christianity or Islam and Judaism are much more uh, the the similarities are much more subtle. The differences are much more stark. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I think you know, but we all worship the same God. So yeah. if you start with that and right. see where you can go, any kind of possibilities are there. Yeah, and uh, Ike Serrata says something in the film that always really struck me. Faith is, in a certain sense, universal. The Jewish mystics have a name for God, which is Ein Sof, which means without end. And what that means by definition is that everything that we say in any faith about God is putting limits on something that is limitless. So when we talk about God, God is bigger than Judaism, God is bigger than Christianity, God is bigger than Islam. God is bigger than all faiths. And so our faiths are kind of the the structures that we create to help us understand a thing that is beyond understanding. I always approach it as it's about teaching and it's about learning. To learn from Christians about their faith and their traditions is also an extremely valuable thing for Jews to learn. And that really, really struck me. And he said the idea of faith is universal. And... Um, we would love to make films like that. And, it, you know, it struck me as we were just talking is that it's not really about the, the destination and the goal to get somewhere. It's that this structure is the journey. And the journey is what's so beautiful because it makes, it brings people, um, it makes them more aware and alive. And they're, they're, they're really like fully vested in this situation because you can't go into an interfaith marriage unless you're all in. Yeah, or it's exactly. just going to collapse. Yeah, it could be problematic. <laughs> if it's, if it's yeah, not all in. it's a, it's yeah. a really good litmus test. Like, do you really love me? <laughs> well, the kids would be onto it immediately. Yeah. That's oh, absolutely. Sure. Yeah. What about the issue of Jesus? Uh, Jesus was a Jew, but then was, of course, uh, you know. So, uh, how do you deal with the, because uh, Jew, uh, Jews? Uh, have a problem with Jesus. Uh, Catholics or Christians in general are Christians. So, how do you deal with that issue? Well, uh, you know that uh, we we have a, a chunk of the film that really addresses that. And you know, uh, Rabbi Ari Mafik, who uh, really works so closely with interfaith families, it's such a beautiful thing. Uh, says, you know, when we were in Sunday school, we thought as Jews, that Jesus was a bad word, you know, mm-hmm. that Jesus, uh, it, it, and then Evan, her husband, kind of enters the conversation and says, you know, there was a sense of 
uh, being anti-Semitic. Yeah, and I'm in the edit session going, yes, yes, that's my experience. Yes, exactly. Oh, my God. So this is therapeutic for us, for sure. No doubt. Yeah, but, you know, I I think what our kids give a sense, and one kid said this at at one of the eighth grade panels. He says, we can all agree on the teachings of Jesus, or for Jews, most of the teachings of Jesus. There's commonalities. It's the teachings about Jesus where we differ. Mm -hmm. Mm. So these kids really get a sense of, you know, Jesus does not have to be a bad word mm-hmm. if you're, uh, uh, you know, with your Jewish family. Uh, and there's ways to see this great Jewish teacher and rabbi as a source of wisdom, a, a mm-hmm. great prophet. Uh, you know, it, it, the divinity of Jesus, yes, we, we differ about that. But these kids see past that. Hmm. Yeah, and Evan Mopfik, one of the rabbis uh, that uh, participated in the film, wrote a book on the Jewishness of Jesus. And Mm. it's like, because I used to, um, for a short time uh, early in my career, I would do some of the editing on a religious broadcast for a church. Mm -hmm. And I remember looking at the passages, and, you know, I was told that these were the things that Jesus said. I thought they were wonderful. They were really nice. And I used to comment to my girlfriend at the time, now wife, and say, you know, I have no issue with this. I think that's beautiful. But it's these, you know, this is the only way, and this is the source of salvation, and there's the no dogma. other way. The dogma, yeah. yeah, and the indoctrination. And, you know, to see this re- these religious paradigms um, transformed, it's almost like the, the clergy have um, transcended these barriers and said, no, there is no one way. Mm-hmm. There's This is one way, and here's another way to um you know to experience the divine and that lack of self-righteousness um was extremely refreshing hmm. interesting you know in the christian tradition you have god is love when you're in love you're in the mystery of god jack wall the former pastor of saint pat's and i are cut from the same piece of cloth let's try things we're not afraid of making a mistake and that was a fulcrum for what went on after that. I mean, because as you said, the lessons of Jesus are universal. Mm-hmm. wouldn't necessarily be tied to any dogma or any yeah. uh, thing if you use them you know, in a larger sense. Yes. So. But it was interesting as the curriculum developed and my wife would write every year as the, the first class would get a little older. It took us till sixth grade to do a year of teaching about Jesus to these Jewish Catholic kids. And actually, developmentally, it turned out that that's right, because Uh. it starts a a two-year history sequence when they learn about how the religions were together, what tore them apart, and then over the centuries, what's happened to create where we are now. But this idea that it took this group of interfaith families, small group, six years to be able to say, let's teach our kids about Jesus, Mm. that just shows you where they were at. Yeah, and also like with the couples growing uh you know being uh part of an interfaith relationship and eventual marriage, it's like putting a huge mirror in front of your own face and yeah. you know because the other person's like, "Well, why do you do this or why do you do that?" and most of the you know a lot of times people say, "Well, I don't really know." So if you never have that structure in your life, a lot of people who go through one religious structure never have the benefit of somebody saying, "Why do you do do that. And so it's it's just a wonderful structure for growth for not just the kids, but also for the parents. It's healthier yeah. in a sense than yeah. your 
not just doing it because this is the way we always yes. did it, right? Exactly. Never questioning it. Yes. So yeah. people are way more yeah. alive and aware. And the the other point about that is the parents are teachers in in these schools in Chicago, and so they have to learn and relearn what they learned growing up to teach it to their kids. And that's mm-hmm. the other part is the kids see mom and dad struggling with this stuff right along with them. Yeah. Right. Well, you also have to struggle with the other religion as well, which maybe you had no exposure. You were a Catholic. Maybe you didn't grow up. I mean, you didn't know many Jewish people, and it's a whole new world. The same with Steve, mm-hmm. oppositely, or mm-hmm. anybody in this program, yes. I would think. What did you both learn from making the film? Wow. Um, I learned the incredible amount of support that's possible when you ask people to help you do something. Mm. The This story is so the story of so many people over 25 years hundreds of people have been through the family school and the union school in chicago and these two schools in dc and washington and when they figured that we were going to make a movie that told their story that could they could share uh, eventually with their families and friends they said you guys go and the outpouring of generosity from people was just astonishing to me that people would would believe so much in a project we started with a gofundme thing and then we became a fiscal sponsor with uh, chicago filmmakers so people could get a tax deduction and and people have just seen this we did web videos and tried to show people what this could be with a little you know three minutes of this and four minutes of that and people the you know thousands of people on facebook and you know just people just saying you guys go go tell this story and that's why now that we're out there and it, it's it's so rewarding hmm. yeah i mean i've i've learned uh along with that david it was great um i've learned so much about my own beliefs and my own implicit biases and and all of that but at the most fundamental of levels you know what i learned is what's possible. This film is really a film about possibility. And in the face of not knowing, you know, we documented people doing this again and again and again and standing for love in the face of absolutely no agreement whatsoever. Don't do this. And it was very, very inspiring. So what I learned first and foremost is that possibility is alive as long as people declare it. And in the name of love, anything really is possible, and and that's what was so inspiring for me personally. And I would, and um, I'm pretty sure I speak for David is that that was the the basis of the inspiration to make the film. You know, the the generosity of people has been remarkable, uh, but Steve and I have put our hearts and souls into this for five and a half years and our own money. So we're not there yet. And people are still contributing on our website. And that's even more gratifying, too. And you need and you need resources to get a film like this out as well. I mean, a film uh, making a film is one stage, (laughs) unfortunately, for you guys. Uh, But you have this stage you're in now, which is to get the film seen, to get the discussions to have it be a catalyst right. for discussions of these of these issues and you know somewhat new territory for a lot of people so uh, it's a valuable film to get out all over the country really yes. and across the world really yes. it'd be fascinating to show it in other parts of the world and and mm-hmm. get the reaction one other thing i was going to ask you was the families and the kids and everything that are in the film also seem quite generous to you that they 
allowed you into their lives. Mm-hmm. And this couldn't have been easy because these are delicate issues. Yes. And emotional issues. And mm-hmm. they go to the core of, of a person's soul in mm-hmm. a sense. Mm-hmm. And they let you in. And there's some remarkable footage in the film of people and kids, uh, families, um, just letting you kind of film what was happening. And uh-huh. I thought that was remarkable. Yeah, the, the generosity of the people in the film is incredible. Uh, you know, I think uh, that kind of happens because we've all spent years talking out loud about this. Mm-hmm. We don't keep this stuff inside. You know, there's there's meetings, there's there's forums, there's services, there's all these ways that people are public about this. Mm-hmm. And so, so you're used to it in yeah. a sense. Yeah. And, you know, when you're in a community like that, you realize that the possibility that is alive and thriving isn't normal. And so when you step out of that paradigm, you realize, oh, wow, this is extraordinary. And also, you know, we, we're not just talking the talk. We walk the walk, too. We, you know, David started uh, the family school in Chicago. And, you know, my wife and I and our kids participate in it now. So we, you know, we come with that embedded sensitivity. So there's a trust level there. And I think that people genuinely want to talk about it. I mean, I know there, there was one parent that we had to take one thing out, I believe, when the um, we have a shot shots of Father Tom Hurley, the priest, carrying a Torah mm. with a rabbi following yeah, around, I it. And, that it, scene. and it was really just extraordinary yeah. how happy the rabbi yeah. was. Yes. You know, she was just lit yeah. up, and everybody was touching the Torah, right? You know, as the um, as the ceremony proceeded, and you know, one of the fathers did ask, you know, I don't know if you know my in-laws or, or my parents, so to speak, will um, uh, will be all that comfortable. Could mm-hmm. you edit that out? But that was really the only thing. And he, you know, he was very much up for participating in whatever way he could. But honestly, 99.9% of the participants were totally fine with anything we showed, and they wanted to be a part of it, and they wanted to say to their relatives who didn't totally understand, or they tried to explain, just say, watch this. Just watch this film, and you'll understand. Right. And oftentimes, people have really made breakthroughs with their relatives as a result of showing even snippets of the film when we were making it. Right. And what are your plans now to take the film out to the broader world? Well, That's we'll a be. Great question. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's why I asked it. <laughs> we're uh, good to be challenged. We're looking to be in as many uh, Jewish film festivals and other and regular film festivals as we can. It's uh, funny that you say Jewish film festivals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are there no Catholic film festivals or relig- how about just religious film festivals? Because um, that almost con- contradicts your message. I mean, yeah, uh, it well, seems like there's well, there's a lot of religious film festivals in general besides Jewish. We don't. Well, if if there are, we want to enter those too. Yes, sure. we've we've uh, we're lucky with the JCC Chicago Film Festival that they gave us a slot, and it it sort of helped power us up into this. I mean, there's 110 Jewish film festivals in are the country. Really? Wow. And I mean, in places like Huntsville, Alabama, where there's probably uh-huh. like six Jews, but they've got a film festival. Yeah, and I and I just thought it was so odd that we're being received so well by the Jewish community. I, I was, we were, basically, we were just starting to get out there, and we had finished the film, and then we got how did that happen exactly? Through Rabbi Moffat. Yeah, okay. And then next thing you know, we're in the JC Chicago Film Festival, and then 
we're in a couple of theaters. We're like, great, let's let's just you know, just we just wanted to get it out there and show it. But my goodness, the reception has been really positive. Right. Yeah. So the uh, uh, the WTTW thing will be huge mm-hmm. uh, for us. It's a one off in terms of PBS. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we don't have a, a national PBS exposure, right. but we're looking into that, and mm-hmm. we're looking into uh, other film festivals, as we mentioned, and then streaming because that that's really w- where we think that a lot of the good between people and families can be hey yeah. watch this film and that's where yes. everybody's let's be honest that's where people are watching films yeah. anyway right. so. yeah and i mean i think um you know i think it would be very appropriate for uh, to have a national run on the pbs affiliates around the country i mean yeah. we're probably there's a good chance that we'll play in new york mm-hmm. and dc mm-hmm. but i'd like to see it in every major market and the smaller markets i mean i think this will resonate with people across any walk of life for sure yeah. yeah, the film festivals are great. You know, the the length of it, uh, I mean, uh, you know, we could lengthen it to be a theatrical length, but um, I, I think the, the length of it right now as being under an hour allows for these discussions that happen. Yeah. And that's almost as much of a draw as the film itself. Yeah, it mm-hmm. makes the uh, the film going experience an event. Right, yes. And right. I think it's because of the nature of the film, there needs to be discussion after the film yeah Uh, so it's not just like a film you'd show and people walk out there's a lot of questions people would have uh as you saw with your when you showed it here no like i i would envision you know family members sitting around the tv as well and right afterwards having um you know new and fresh and insightful conversations that really weren't possible before seeing the film and that's really what we want and we should mention that it did show a couple of times at old saint pat's church here in chicago and we should mention that old saint pat's hosts the family school in chicago which is the just everything about it is extraordinary and you just don't see that and what's really wonderful and gratifying to hear from the clergy is just how much they enjoy being involved in this whole paradigm of interfaith education for the kids. They, they really, really love it. To see and to witness our young children who have grown up into adults, um, I think is pretty special. It's really wonderful, it's gratifying. And they've created these friendships with clergy from other faiths. It's, it's actually quite awesome to witness and be a part of. It's not your grandmother's Catholic church. <laughs> no, <Yeah. laughs> that's right. No, sir. And we're talking with the co-directors David Kovacs and Steve Ordauer, the producers and directors of the documentary Leaps of Faiths. To find out more about the film, you can visit leapsoffaiths.org, where you can watch the trailer, read the blog, donate to the documentary, as well as stream the film. Next week, join regular host Steve Ordauer as he sits down with the prolific filmmaker Bob Hercules as they discuss his latest film, Maya Angelou and Still I Rise. This documentary captured the essence of an American icon and was seen on the PBS series American Masters, played at film festivals around the world, including Sundance, and won a Peabody Award. They will also look back on Bob's illustrious and fascinating career, documenting so many poignant moments in history. This has been a Rhythm and Light production.